Hi, everyone. My name is Callie. And I'm Grant. Welcome back to our podcast, Big World. Small Bites. Welcome to a new season. Today, we're taking you on a journey to better understand the ways in which we think about the climate. We'll be interviewing Dr. Thomas Martin, a theology and ethics professor here at Susquehanna University. We'll be discussing the disconnect we have with nature and how to rectify it. And the issues that arise from living within our own built environment. We hope you're hungry, because we're going to be breaking down this big world into some small bites. All right, everybody listening at home, we have a very special guest with us here today, Dr. Martin. Can you give a little bit of a, an intro about yourself, just so the listeners at home can, can know who you are? Um, I've been teaching at SU now for um, 20, 22 years, I think, something like that, somewhere in that mm-hmm. neighborhood. Uh, my, my technical qualifications are in biblical studies, and my venue into teaching environmental ethics um, came through research in the book of revelation if you can believe that um but a problem that i was dealing with in terms of trying to understand revelation was uh there's a serious problem there of god's violence against the environment uh in in some of the visions god you know wipes out all the oceans and god wipes out the uh, rivers uh, and so I was dealing with that, I found that I was having to learn more and more about environmental issues, and I was having to learn more about uh, specifically the ethics of our responsibility. Um, so out of that, when SU redevised the general education program to make it the central curriculum, uh, we needed more ethics classes, and I just decided to jump in and start teaching environmental ethics based on what I had learned through working with the environmental problems in the book of Revelation. That's my sort of four-year, four-year, foray into doing environmental stuff. Yeah, we both had you for environmental ethics. And to start things off, we were wondering if you have a favorite topic to cover over the course of that class. Oh, wow, a favorite topic. I know, it's hard. There are so many. <laughs> that course has grown and developed mm-hmm. Um so there's a favorite in two sense, two senses. Um, I really love doing the car culture. Uh, we've got this inertia in, a, in American uh, culture and building to keep us tied into and sort of uh, prisoners of the idea that we cannot even imagine life without cars. So getting students to begin to see how does that play out, what what are the factors that get me to think that life can't exist without me owning a car? And then what would we change so that we could be different? Um, I really like that part of it. The thing that I do in environmental ethics that I think is unique is the way in which I try to pull in virtue ethics with the neo-Marxist spatial theory. Um, so that that whole thing that I do uh, from Edward Soja, Edward Soja, um, we build buildings and then the buildings build us. So we're sitting in a totally dark room with no windows to the outside. And if you, I assume that if you do much in broadcasting, you, you begin to assume this is kind of natural, uh, that we would be totally 
without any exposure. So it'd be really interesting to figure out if you could do this sort of recording setup uh, outdoors. Yeah. Um, w- which would give a totally different sort of flavor to what's going on and how one experiences it. Um, so that whole, what I think I do most importantly is try to get students thinking about how do we rebuild our society so that rather than growing up assuming that there's this disconnect between ourselves and the environment, we experience ourselves as connected because of the ways in which we live and structure life. Yeah, and what would you say are the implications of of that lack of connections to nature? So how has that impacted us as a society? Uh, the the impact of a disconnect is number one, particularly because we're um, a first world country in which we have the privilege of spending money to isolate and insulate ourselves from environmental impacts. Um, we just don't see the impacts of of what we do. Uh, it, it's it, it's the American poor. Uh, in the inner city, who are worst impacted by heat waves, um, the American elderly who are on fixed incomes who die uh, during heat waves in cities because they can't afford to keep their air conditioners going or they don't even have them, um, and the sort of middle American just pays a little bit more for their electric, um, and, and we, we get this whole idea that somehow the I, I don't really need to live in response to what's actually going on environmentally. How do you think, or what do you think the impact would be if we could get people to kind of get outside more or think about it in a way that was more pro-environment than they do now? What I'm really emphasizing this semester, I'm seeing it as a, a real need to just keep hammering out. Of course, I don't remember when you took the course, if you read um, David Wallace Wells, The Uninhabitable yep, Earth. Yeah, we read that we one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, we're, I'm really focusing in on the ways in which all of this stuff impacts my personal day-to-day choices. I mean, one of the problems I see in environmental, uh, just with environmental activism is that we have a tendency to want to point the fig- finger at mega corporations and say they're the bad guys uh, and they're doing everything that's wrong. But the only reason that mega corporations can do what they do is because people buy their products, uh, is because people invest in them. And so if I can begin to see my individual choices, most specifically about lifestyle, to live more simply, to, like in the winter what I've been trying to do the last two winters is keep my house at about 64 degrees, which means that I actually wear sweaters um, <laughs> rather than the typical American home that's maybe 72, 75. Uh, and you're sort of dressed like a spring day in January mm-hmm. rather than making use of uh, clothing. Uh, and then in the summer to ratchet up that AC level to, to somewhere nearer 78, 80 degrees inside. Uh, so I just find it so frustrating here at SU that I come into my office in the summer and I have to wear a sweater. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's no, no need for that. Uh, in the winter, I come in. Uh, now, my office 
for some reason doesn't ever get very warm, but frequently the classrooms, yeah, um, you go into the classroom and it's so hot. So you got to, you got to, <laughs> yeah, take everything off and go down to a t-shirt. Um, so all of us need to learn to live as normative, as just natural, that we're much more accustomed to seasonal change. Uh, to day-to-day weather change, and and we're okay living with that, mm-hmm. um, rather than oh my gosh, it's hot outside. I'm going to go in and crank up the AC. Um, learning to live with warmer temperatures, learning to live with the cool temperatures, um, that more sim- simple. Clearly, the way in which as consumers we we pressure the whole cascade toward environmental destruction is is we we buy things thinking they're they're innocent thinking oh of course everybody's going to have one of these and there's no it's no big deal but i i've got to think about everything i buy and acquire how is this and and couldn't i really just live more simply and probably be happier rather than so invested in toys and acquisitions and do I have more of this and do I have more of that and I think speaking of toys I remember when we, when we took your class a big part of it was even as kids getting outside and being allowed mm-hmm. to, to have risks and be outside really played a big role oh, yeah yeah and so I wonder if you could speak on the impact of starting at a young age how that can really influence someone as they grow up and, and how they perceive and see the environment the planet sustainability um, I think one of the most impactful books that I've read in the last five years is Richard, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, Louv, L-O-U-V. Um, um, what's the title? Last Child in the Woods. And it's just a brilliant book about the way in which childhood is such an, a formative period um, for acclimating to animals, plants, dirt, the outside um i can't remember who it was now but we did we did that thing in class on play unstructured play uh and this person sent me uh, a video link uh, to a a podcast uh that was in i think it was in the uk um but it was contrasting the way in which children played on a pre-managed pre-structured playground to just, they got turned loose in a vacant lot with a bunch of junk. And they had more fun <laughs> building and doing out of the junk and were more creative and more inventive uh, than they were on the structured playground. Um, I really don't know what I think about this because I know as a parent, I was incredibly cautious about my children's risk of ask accidents. Mm-hmm. But for my generation, kids broke bones a lot. I mean, um, <laughs> there was always some somebody in school with a cast on. Um, and now we're so incredibly protective. Uh, but yet that's another way in which we distance ourselves from the real risks of living in the environment. Um, yeah, we need to be cautious and we need to be protective, but... Uh, there's value to climbing in a tree and, and sometimes learning you can fall out and get hurt. 
Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, talking about, like, personal responsibility and stuff, because that's kind of what we're hoping to get across through the podcast, that there are small things that you can do to change your mindset, others' mindsets, even though it feels like the problems are so huge. And it's interesting, too, that we're recording this on an almost 70-degree day in the middle of February. I know. Yeah, and I've heard so many people talk about how they're happy that it's warm out, but they're terrified. I think that's a change that we've seen in the last couple of years. Like, I think our generation, thinking about the way we were raised, we're all just thinking, this is really nice. I don't want to wear a coat, but this is really scary for the future. It, it's really – so there's that whole point of, uh, in much of the literature that – what we're seeing, what we're having to do now is we're becoming accustomed to wild and weird weather variations. Um, and it's just, it's not normal. It's not natural. Yeah. It's not the kind of environment that we should be exposed to. We should be exposed to something that, that follows more normal patterns. There have always, I, th- I think that a, 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 an issue for... Uh, people who are a little resistant to the idea of climate changes, there are always and always have been variations, but those variations are swinging out of normal and swinging much more frequently than should be the case with our weather. Um, 500,000 year events are now happening every five to 10 years. Right. And that goes back to also that Scientific American article you had sent me about um, the way we talk about climate change, because you were saying we're getting used to these changes. And so we're thinking, oh, we're going back to a normal, like it's just changing, but things are going to be normal. But that article argues to call it climate disruption, because it's not supposed to be like this. Like you said, there have been variations, but this is a disruption, not just a change. Probably the way in which I think Americans are going to start seeing the disruption is going to be in insurance rates. I I don't remember any of the figures, but I was just reading some stuff on um, um, the dollar impact of the most recent couple of years. And it's hundreds of billions up into the trillions of dollars uh, which we see then fed back into homeowner insurance, uh, or if you're renting, it's getting figured into your rent, kicking that up. Um, we're simply that climate disruption is going to begin having serious economic impacts on all of us. Uh, and, and we're going to start seeing that these wild swings are actually costing us huge amounts of money. 10 or 15 years ago, there was an emphasis on the way in which nature provides certain services to us free. Rainforests cleaning the atmosphere. Uh, and if we disrupt those, then we, I, we have to pick up the cost of providing those particular services that nature in general provides for us free. So with all of these problems, right, with temperatures heating up, with with these once-in-a-lifetime storms getting worse, and we mentioned that a big thing people can do is change the way they're thinking. So to not, not constantly be inside, to take those small actions that can have a big difference, what do you think is, is possibly, whether it's using religion or not, uh, the best way to kind of start thinking with this pro-environmental mindset, to start kind of thinking uh, of the benefits of living a more minimalist life, to stop being in in the same place in this like built environment, but to kind of get that foot into 
uh, an environmental way of thinking? I just started um, a book on fungus. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember the author. I can't even remember the spe specific title yet <laughs> at this point. But it's utterly, amazingly fascinating because of the way in which it's illustrating to me that all life is interconnected. Mm -hmm. um, if I think about that as a Christian, and I think about that in terms of Christian gospel and Christian hope, um, huge numbers of American evangelicals and sort of middle-of-the-road Christians define the purpose of their faith as me getting to heaven. Uh, that's a little problematic, first of all, because uh, I don't see my life here on earth as particularly my goal and my objective. My goal and objective is to get out of here and live in heaven. But what this is causing me to think about is, what's me? I'm not an isolated, freestanding, no connections to anything else life form. Uh, I, in fact, am a symbiote um, with my own biome. Uh, and there are more little critters living in my guts than my total number of cells in my body. Um, and my cells themselves are a symbiotic relationship of, uh, if I say it correctly, mitochondria uh, and other organelles living together in a way that constitutes my life. So if God wants to save me, then that involves saving all of the fungus and the bacteria and the other parts of life that make me who I am. My life is this amazing interconnected menagerie of different life forms. I'm going to back up and walk into that again. Much of the Western philosophical tradition, political science tradition, is about understanding ourselves as isolated individuals uh, and who have and, and who cohere particular rights and privileges. And so our political stuff is about you and me figuring out where we can make compromises so that we can live together without killing each other. Um, but it starts with the premise that I am, uh, I am an individual in isolation who then chooses how to live with others. If we look seriously at evolution and biology, I am already a part of you and you are a part of me. We only become living beings by being a part of an environment, by having that environment become part of us and recapturing this whole idea of interconnectedness is so essential. And when you look at Christian tradition, you actually have great saints and great theologians across the last 1,500 years who make that whole interconnectedness a part of theology. St. Francis of Assisi, uh, Hildegard of Bingen, um, these, the, there's just such a rich tradition um, that's sort of gotten stuffed down that needs to be recaptured about our interconnectedness of all life, um, my life and others. I think that's a really good idea for us to close on, the idea of interconnectedness, yeah. what you can do to 
imagine yourself in an interconnected web. So thank you so much for the conversation today, Dr. Martin. It's been great to chat with you. It was good to be invited in. Okay, that made me miss our classes with him so much. I know, I know. He's such a, such a knowledgeable man. Yeah, and I also took, in addition to environmental ethics, I took eco-theology with him last spring. Okay. So that was also just awesome, just getting more knowledge from him. Because as I'm sure you can all tell, he knows so much, and there's so much more to learn from him that we don't have time for in this episode. Yeah, and end leaves a really powerful message. Yeah, I think that last message about interconnectedness is super important because we tend to think of ourselves as super disconnected. I think we talked about this in the garden episode. You know, we don't see where our food comes from. We don't see where it goes. And thinking about how we are connected to everything in nature is important. But that also made me think about how all the issues that we're concerned with right now are really huge, but they're all interconnected with each other, too. So we're facing racial inequality, um, economic inequality, sexism, all of this other stuff that seems huge in addition to the climate crisis. But if we solve those problems consciously, we can solve one and we're on our way to solving the others. Um, thinking about tackling environmental racism and environmental injustice, that's going to help with economic issues and racial issues. So I think if we think of these issues as interconnected and kind of dominoes that we can all push down together, it becomes a bit more manageable on the personal level. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think really it just comes down to no matter you know what you're worried about, just pick something and, and take action about it. Just do something, start somewhere small, and just begin, take that first step to being more connected to, to living and being close with nature, and we'll, we'll, get, well, you know, we'll make great progress. Well, on that note, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to our second season. Woo! We're very excited to be here. We have more episodes coming. We'll hope you join us next time as we keep on cooking, so stay tuned. We'll be serving up a new episode soon. Get ready for some more small bites of this big world. <laughs>